Father, we come before you again today and readily acknowledge that we're a mess. Father, I come before you and, and as always, I do not stand here or proclaim to be that, that perfect person or that man that has it, everything together. Uh, and God, I thank you that you're doing a work in me and, and in our church and our family. And God, I pray that you would just speak to us as only you can. I just, uh, somewhat of a heavy heart today, I come uh, to proclaim what you have for us, and it's, it's going to be challenging, and uh, there'll be different thoughts about it, because it, it gets to the core of who we are as a people. So God, I pray for you to remove, remove all distractions, that you would help us to, to not do anything that would distract someone else that you're going to speak to and move today, that we would open our hearts and not only hear the Holy Spirit, but let him, let him do the work that he does. And even in those hard places in our life, those, those places we've hardened our heart to. Father, I pray that you would just so move today and the Holy Spirit would move today that, that, that we will just proclaim that we not only heard from you, but we responded as your people. And uh, you drew us closer to who you are and who Christ is today. We ask these humbly in a pleading cause today in Jesus Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. it's good to see you today. I'm glad that you're here. I want to tell you about a man that I knew one time. He was an average man in that he, he worked hard and provided for his family. Uh, it's pretty standard there, right? I've had some people, you know, they thought that was the bar, you know. I work hard and provide for my family. What else is there? But he was average in that aspect. He was also average uh, in that he, he worked hard and he played hard at his hobbies. I mean, that was mainly what he did. The problem was the more that we got to know each other, uh, the more character flaws we would see in each other. I saw some in him and he would see some in me. And as we uh, began this relationship and, and living life together, I realized some things in, in his life and these character flaws. He was, he was disrespectful to anyone who didn't agree with him. You know anybody like that? I mean, if you absolutely disagreed with him, boy, he would just almost shred them to try to get them to believe like he did. He was dishonest when he could get away with it. I mean, if, if he felt he'd get away with it, he'd do whatever he wanted to do. He was very unreliable in, in areas that he did not think were important. It wasn't important, so don't rely on me there. And he was constantly looking at ways to manipulate the people in his life. He, he would try to manipulate his wife, his kids, his coworkers, you know, those, those people that he knew. Uh, and I thought, you know, myself, and the, the more this relationship went on, I thought, you know, for the most part, by the world standards, he's a good old boy. For the most part. I mean, most people say, yeah, I like him. He's a good old boy. The problem was, he was not a man of godly character. And by that, I mean, as we got deeper into this relationship, uh, he, he, I told him, point out some things to me. I want to be who Christ wants me to be. I want to grow closer, more like Christ, you know, more Christian, Christ-like in my life. And, but when I would point out things to him, he was not willing to listen. It went nowhere. If you brought up anything about a character flaw. And he made the statement one day I've never forgotten. He said, I provide food on the table and a roof over my family's head. It's who I am. Take it or leave it. 
He was not willing to change. He wasn't willing to grow. We're going to talk today about how God cares about character. It's going to be a definition. If you're taking notes, you can always go to that Version Bible app, and the sermon notes are on that. If you're writing down notes, that's fine. But the definition we're going to work with today is this. A person of character is a person who is trustworthy, honest, fair, responsible, respectful, and does their best to be empathetic for other people. In other words, they care about other people. A person of character tries to have these qualities in their life, no matter who's looking, no matter who is watching, no matter what they're doing. One of the greatest definitions of character is this. It's who you are when no one's looking. It's, who, it's what you do when no one's looking. That's the core of who we are. A godly man, a godly woman, a godly teenager uh, is a person of high character. You cannot add the word godly in front of a person who has low character. Those two don't go together. If character means being trustworthy and honest, fair and responsible, respectful and caring about others, then those qualities need to be in the life of a godly person. We, we talked several weeks ago about living holy lives before God. Talking today about having godly character in our life. I heard about a woman who's constantly gossiping, constantly judging others without biblical justification for that judgment, right? Of, of just saying, hey, there's something I can help them with or in their life, right? Constantly speaking bad about others, constantly telling lies. The woman has a difficulty making and keeping friends because... She's just not nice to be around. She's negative. She's ugly towards people, right? She lacks godly character in her life. She's constantly drama. I mean, constantly drama about her own insecurities and her lack of character. And you know what she's doing? She's passing that down to her kids. I tell you these stories about this man and this woman because it seems that the standard for character seems to decline or is declining. At one time, parents were more concerned about their kids' character than they were about hitting a ball or shooting a ball or throwing a ball. Parents used to set the example for being a person of character when it came to honesty, trustworthiness, being respectful, being an empathetic person, teaching those around them, each other, about caring about others before they cared about themselves. That used to be the standard. Not so much anymore. If you don't believe me, just, just go teach in our school system. I can tell you right now, I got in trouble in school, but it was never the teacher's fault. Not when I got home, right? I mean, I would try to plead my case and say, but that teacher's unfair. They didn't listen or, or whatever excuse I gave. And my mom and my dad would say, I don't care about that. You do the right thing. And I would get in trouble for it. Nowadays, <laughs> The teacher's wrong before the kid is. So I want to challenge us today on what Christian character looks like in the life of a godly person. I fear that many people who claim Christ as Savior yet lack true godly character at the home, at the workplace, even in our community. It's just rampant, folks. So turn with me to Romans chapter 1, if you would. Romans chapter 1. While you're turning there, I want you to hear it again. God cares about our character. God cares about a character. I want our men and our young men today to hear this. Godly character counts. I want our ladies and our young ladies to hear this. Godly character counts. Having godly character is more important than getting the most votes. 
Having godly character is more important than who can hit the, bar, the ball the furthest, shoot the ball the straightest, score the most goals, or run the fastest. Godly character is more important than looks, intelligence, popularity, or climbing the corporate ladder. Godly character is more important than where you live, what you live in, what you drive, and where you go. And godly character is more important than what title you have or how many degrees you have attained. Now, all those things can be good, but when we sacrifice godly character for those things, it's not biblical. It's not who God wants us to be. I believe I can make all those statements, and everyone hearing this today would agree with that. Amen? <laughs> Yet our churches and our families are full of people whose bar for godly character in their lives is set low. We have bought into the worldly mindset that other things, worldly things, are more important than who we are in Christ. We've bought into it. We've sold our testimony at the altar of lukewarmness. We've sold our character at the altar of popularity. We've sold our godly character just to fit in. And that's not who God wants us to be. In Romans chapter 1, God is having the Apostle Paul begin this, this amazing letter, <laughs> the letter written to the Romans, and it's rich and it's deep and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. But he begins it talking about the righteousness of God. He's teaching the Romans and us about the righteousness of God of God. What that should look like in our lives, how it should be on display in our lives. He goes on to talk about how we're all guilty before him in Romans chapter one. We're all sinners. Nobody's perfect. We're all a work in progress. It goes right with our mission statement, right? We want to go from where we are to where God wants us to be, right? We want to begin building, broaden a relationship with God and with others. It fits right in there. And he moves then to, as the Holy Spirit leads him, and he states that the universe displays the power and the deity of God, of who he is. He then points out the result of living the life of an unbeliever. Now get this, of living the life of an unbeliever, living like an unbeliever having things present in our lives, in our homes, uh, in our families, in our community, things that are not of God. And he jumps into it in chapter one. He don't waste any time. There's a lot of chapters in Romans, and he gets to this in chapter one. Look at Romans chapter one, verse 28. It says, and even as they did not like to retain God, in their knowledge. I can't ever read that statement without thinking of that man I mentioned. He brought truth in. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear what God had to say. He didn't want to hear who, how God wanted to change him. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. I promise you something will be said this morning, hopefully through Holy Spirit leadership, that you won't like this morning. I promise you that because God's word is truth and it, it, cuts, it cuts the heart. It goes on. God gave them over to a debased mind. Why? Because they would not retain God in their knowledge. To do those things which are not fitting. What does that not fitting mean? Sinful, wrong, lacking character, godly character. Being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they're whisperers, 
backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I'm going to come back there, but I want you to hear that last part again. Read it. Knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but they approve of those who practice them. Some are probably hearing this right now and you're thinking, so what? What's the big deal? The big deal is God wants us as his people to be the people of highest character, not the lowest character. God wants us as his people to have godly character on display in our life, not worldly character in our lives. And unfortunately, a lot of this is present in the lives of God's people. We see evidence of the so what mindset as an example today in our politics. Godly character is obviously not a standard for most for serving in a public office. Amen. <laughs> in fact, the politician that does live for God, that does try to live in a godly character in their life, they stick out like a sore thumb, don't they? Should be the other way around. Should be the one that's not trying to live a godly life going, what are they doing? We tend to whine and complain about the lack of character morality in the leadership in our country, in our state, but we don't hold ourselves to the same standard in our families, in our homes, in our marriages. One author wrote this observance about the lack of godly character today, and he wrote it like this, quote, Character has been slowly bred out of many Americans. Decades of pampering, feel-good approaches in which participants do not have to take any personal responsibility for their actions have made character obsolete, end quote. That includes those who attend church. That includes those who don't attend church. That, that includes those who claim to know Christ as Savior and those who don't. Seems like character really doesn't make a difference in people's lives anymore like it should. Godly character. See, here, here's, here's the thing. I can cheat on my taxes, and if I get away with it, what's the big deal? I mean, I got some cash under the table. If I don't report that, nobody's going to know. What's the big deal? Character flaw. Godly character flaw. If I can sit and draw an employment, even though I'm able to go out and get a job, what harm does that cause? It's godly character flaw. If I can do as little work as possible at my job and still get paid for it, <laughs> what's the matter? It's a godly character flaw. If I can talk about what everybody else is doing wrong and how horrible they are as a people and that they don't know that I'm talking about them, what harm is there? It's a godly character flaw. If I teach my kids to get theirs, to take care of number one and make sure they are the center of their universe, what's wrong with that? It's a godly character flaw. The answer to all of that is it matters greatly to God what kind of character is on display in our lives. Look at verse 18 in Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth 
in unrighteousness. Every one of us, folks, listen, when, when, when the, the righteousness of God is not on display in our lives, we're suppressing the truth from those who need to know about the righteousness of God. We suppress it. We keep it to ourselves. We, we hold it in. We make decisions based on what's best for us instead of what God thinks because we lack godly character. Look at verse 32 again. Knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, it's not, me, it's not mine to judge. It's not mine to, to tell someone that, that they got some character issues in their life. That's not my responsibility. Yes, it is. We are to look at others and get involved and have relationships to help each other grow in who we are in Christ. And the only way to do that is to say, I see an area you need to grow. It's out of a love that that comes from, right? We're not to judge others in a way that, man, I'm better than them. But we have to judge each other in a righteous judgment, in a godly judgment, a biblical judgment, to say, I might be able to help this person and they might be able to help me. But we approve of sinful lifestyles. We approve lacking godly character. The world wants to tell us the character doesn't matter. And the world wants to tell us, get away with whatever you can get away with. It's okay. And we can hang as many signs as we want, but our kids are watching us more than they're reading the signs that say character counts. The good news is we do not have to buy into the lie that the world's trying to sell us. We don't have to. We have the truth of the word of God. We have the instruction of the word of God and who God wants us to be and who he will help us be if we'll allow him. See, we should be more concerned with our character than our reputation. Our character is who we really are while our reputation is what others think about us. Character counts. God cares about our character. So quickly, four thoughts this morning that I want to bring out on this, this topic of godly character counts. The first one is this. A person of godly character is a person of righteousness. See, if pleasing God first in your life does not mean that much, then you're not going to get much out of this sermon. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to get a bad taste in your mouth. You know, you came to church to feel good today and not be challenged. Then, then you're not going to get much. But verse 18 tells us there are those who suppress the, suppress the truth and righteousness. I don't want to be one of those in unrighteousness. I don't want to be one. A person of godly character is a person of righteousness. To be a person of righteousness is to be a person who makes decisions based on what God thinks, what God says, what God's word says, and the Holy Spirit's leadership in my life. A person of godly character lives that righteousness out in their life because God is leading them, not anything else. Proverbs 16, 12 tells us it's an abomination. It's a strong word, folks. It's an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Man, let me tell you something today. Your home, your marriage, your house, your family, you are the leader there, whether you step up and be that leader or not, you're leading. And you take that and say, it's an abomination for kings, leadership to commit wickedness for a throne is established by righteousness. Men, we should be leading the way in righteousness in our families. Leading the way. Our homes need to be established in righteousness. Our church needs to be established in righteousness. Like the king's throne, our lives should be like that too. Now, I happen to believe that a great many men, women, and mature young adults here this morning understand that without the blessing of God, 
Life is really hard. You know that today? The blessings from God come many times because of who we are. Godly character on display in our lives. Doing the right thing, thinking the right things, holy living before him, honoring God in our life. You see, when you remove the definition of godly character from our lives, we're no different than animals. I'm going to get mine and I'll take everybody else out if I have to. That's what animals do. If you do not believe in the animal mentality, watch the news. I don't recommend it, but watch the news. Look at the cities from coast to coast where people are demanding their rights. They're demanding equal treatment. They're demanding fairness. They're demanding equality, right? And if their way to get it is to go out and burn down businesses and tear up cities and do away with law enforcement and all these disrespectful ways. They don't respect that business owner, right? They want respect and they go out and disrespect somebody else. They want equality and they go treat somebody else with inequality. They want fairness and they go out and they're not fair. That's our world standard, folks. It's not God's. See, God is more concerned. I want you to get this. God's more concerned about your character than your comfort. And we sell out our godly character for comfort, not realizing God cares more about our character than he does about our comfort. To be a person of godly character means we will be a person who understands that we answer to God. Think about that. Ultimately, we all answer to God. He is the judge. We are to establish our homes, our church, our community on the righteousness of God, not worldly thinking. That is what godly people do. Secondly, this morning, a person of godly character is a person of godly wisdom. And I, I typed that sentence, you know, a few weeks ago in preparing this. And, and I can't get around that if you've been here for a year, you, this keeps it's a reoccurring theme in my preaching. Godly wisdom, godly wisdom, godly wisdom, godly wisdom. It's just there. See, it's far more important that a, a, a godly person be wise than talented or gifted. Worldly standards, public opinion, and which way the wind is blowing should not determine what kind of character we have. The world says leadership must be skilled. God says leadership must be wise. The wisdom of God gives us, it should influence who we are, how we live, decisions we make, how we raise our kids, our work ethic at work, and everything else we do. Not public opinion polls, not how I feel, not what others are saying. Who God is and who God is in us and who we are in Christ and godly character should determine all those things. Not anything else. So I'd rather have a leader who is wise than one who's popular. How about you? We see the results every day from the highest office in our land to our state government officials of what very low character is. They have an agenda. That agenda does not include living with godly character. They lack the wisdom of God in their lives. They live for votes. They live for popularity. They live for this world. They live for money. They live for prestige. So they live for, you know, whatever title they can get and whatever corporate ladder or political ladder they can climb. 
I just wonder if we're much different as God's people. Science determines <laughs> what they do, right? And we don't like that. But let me ask you as God's people, does this book determine who we are? If it doesn't, then how are we any different? Proverbs 8, 12, and 16 says this, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. God gives wisdom. We don't get wisdom from a degree or experience or anywhere else. Wisdom comes from God alone. A person of godly character is a person of godly wisdom. Do you hear me? A person of godly character is a person of godly wisdom. Harry Truman once said on the difference between leadership and poll watching, he said, quote, I wonder how far Moses would have gotten had he taken a poll in Egypt. What would Jesus have preached on had he taken a poll in Israel? It isn't polls or public opinion of the moment that counts. It is right and wrong leadership. Men with fortitude and honesty and the belief in the right that make epochs in the history of the world, end quote. We're missing that kind of leadership today, aren't we? But are we missing our homes too? Missing our community? We're definitely missing in our nation. But what about us? What about what we can control? Verse 32, again, says, knowing the righteous judgment of God. If we know the truth, then we need to apply the truth, which makes us wise. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. I think there's so many people walking around today thinking they're so wise when their life from the word of God points that they're actually a fool. God tells us in the Bible, I'm not concerned whether a leader is popular. I'm deeply concerned if my leaders possess wisdom. If we're not applying godly wisdom, we're lacking godly character. And if we're lacking godly character, we're fools from the word of God. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. A South African leader was quoted as saying this, quote, the reason America has progressed so much farther than South Africa, even though we have as many natural resources and as great a potential, is that their founders came seeking God while ours came seeking gold, end quote. Too many of God's people are chasing the dollar, allowing the dollar to lead them, and we're teaching our kids to do the same thing. God's wisdom is far better than anything this world has to offer. A person of God, the character will never sell their character for a dollar. A person of God, the character will never cheat, steal, lie, sell their testimony, give up their God, the character for a dollar. Which doesn't happen. God's wisdom is far better than anything this world has to offer. Thirdly, a person of God, the character it's a person of honesty. So understand that liars and people of God, the character are not the same thing. I won't do it, but if I were to ask you, raise a hand today, uh, how many actually told a lie or, or, or just misled the truth this past week or the last couple of weeks? I wonder how many hands would go up today in God's house. See, if a person is a liar, they have a character flaw that goes all the way to the core. Hear this. People are not liars because they lie. People lie because they're liars. They're liars. 
big difference. It's a character flaw. Jesus put it this way in John 8. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Say, I want God to character in my life. God, I want to be who you want me to be. God, just, I want God to character on display. One of the things we have to do is be honest and quit lying. Because we're more like Satan and more like the devil with every lie we tell. Now listen, I've not said that a, a godly, a person with godly character is perfect. I haven't said that today. You understand that, right? I'm not saying that a person with godly character is perfect. And I'm not saying that because that's not what the Bible says. But what I am drawing from the scriptures is a person of godly character must be a person of honesty and integrity in the, the decisions we make, the things we get to choose to teach and to live what we do and where we go and how we act and what we say, we choose that. And what's inside comes out. Proverbs 17, 7 says, excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. Proverbs 20, 28, mercy and truth preserve the king and by loving kindness, he upholds his throne. Mercy and truth. Speaking the truth. A person of godly character is a person of honesty. They go hand in hand. Even when honesty is tough, folks. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, I really don't want to be honest here because I think it's going to be more harmful than if I just don't be honest. Godly character demands honesty. In love, but honesty. And then lastly this morning, a person of godly character is a person of godly morality. If a person has no or very little moral standards, how can they set a godly standard for those around them? We've reached a sad day in America. Statistics say that 50% of Americans between the ages of 14 and 25, now hear this, Americans between the age of 14 and 25, 50% have an incurable sexually transmitted disease. 50%. Statistics also show, and they tell us, four out of five teenage girls will have premarital sex. Now, the statistic pointed out the girls, but they're having that sex with somebody. Statistics show that couples are foregoing the godly institution of marriage, living together, having sex outside the bonds of marriage. In our day and age, doing away with the man and woman in marriage and the biblical principle there. God's people steal from him, tithes and offerings, cheat on their taxes, do not give an honest day's work for an honest wage. Treat people in ungodly ways. Speak to others in harsh words and tones. Abuse the marriage relationship and honestly wonder where the blessings of God are. We have the audacity to live Romans 1, 28 through 32 and, and see those things prevalent in our lives, lacking godly character. And then we cry out to God, where's your blessing?
I believe this in my life at times and in other believers. Too many Christians are justifying lifestyles that the Word of God calls sinful. We justify it. Look at our text again. Romans 1, 28. See if you see yourself there. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased minds to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So is godly character important? Yes. God says yes. Jesus told us that the church in the last days would be characterized by lukewarmness. It is certainly the characteristic of our day. So many times, folks, and I know it's hard to hear, so many times in our families, in our church, in our community, in our government, in our nation. But I want to end on a positive note here. So what are we to, to do? What does the Word of God say? Who are we to be? Just real quick, two verses. Philippians 4.8. Listen, finally, brethren, those of you that know Christ, those of you that are believers or Christians, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. That's who we should be. That's what we should think about. And 2 Peter puts it this way. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, work towards, make it up to the forefront, right? Be diligent about it. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. There's a growth pattern there that we should be following as godly people. For all these things are yours and abound. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Who we are is more important than what we do. Who we are being is more important than what we're doing. Would you bow your head with me, please? The first step to being who God wants us to be is acknowledging sin in our life. Acknowledging ungodly thoughts, acknowledging ungodly desires of our heart. The first step is to acknowledge those, to recognize it, to say, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me, you're convicting me, you're challenging me. The first step is to recognize that. The second step is to do something about it. is to come and 
get on our face before God, on our knees before God and say, God, <laughs> I'm unclean before you. God, help me have this godly character. Help me to strive to be the who you want me to be. And for my, for my family and for my friends, for my kids, for, for those that I know, for my church family, my community. God, I want to be a people that when people speak to me, they speak to someone that they may not agree with, but they'll say he, has, he or she has godly character. That's who I want to be. But you're the only one that can make that decision, folks. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But let me just ask real quick, if you're here today and you came to a church service, maybe you've been coming for weeks or months, maybe it's your first time here, and you say, Robbie, we talk about Romans 1, we talk about righteousness, unrighteousness. I don't really know that I know who Jesus is. I don't really know that, that I believe and have believed in him as Savior. Just real quick, I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to help you. That's your first step to having godly character in your life. You need to know Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, say, Robbie, that's me. I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that I truly believe. Would you lift your hand up real quick and say, Robbie, just pray for me. Somebody lift their hand up. Say, Robbie, that's me. I'm here today and I'm not sure. Anybody? So you know what that tells me? Most of us here, it's a time in our life we called out to Christ as Savior. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've done that. Where are we when it comes to godly character in our life? Where are we? Would you stand with me, please? And I'm going to ask you this. It's going to be a little different. I'm going to ask you as you stand just to bow your head. Nobody looking around. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what's going on. So bow your head and close your eyes just real quick. I just want you to move as God's leading you not as God's leading someone else. So I don't want you to think, well, if somebody else goes, I'll go. This altar is open. It's open for God's people to come and, and just talk to him, to print our, present ourselves that living sacrifice. So I'm going to open an altar call up for anyone that says, you know, I just want to go talk to God down there. Father, we come before you. And I know there's areas in my life where my character needs to grow to be more like Christ. I know that. Help me to have that heart that desires that in my life, God. Uh, those people that know me best, I know they can point out some areas in my life I can grow in. I can be more Christ-like. I can make some, some godlier decisions, more godly decisions in my life. But I also know this, for every one of us here, there are places like that in each one of our lives. Do we desire that? Are we justifying sin? what the Bible calls sin? Are we justifying it with the worldly standard? Are we fitting so much in with the world that we don't even stand out with godly character in our life? So I pray for the men that are hearing this just to submit themselves to you, God. I pray for the women and the teenagers, those that are listening online, God, that we would just, in the quietness of this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you feel you're leading someone to come down and to an altar, a special place, just to present themselves to you and, and talk to you, God, I pray they would do that. Don't worry about anybody else's thinking. Just to come down here. And if not, uh, if they can't or whatever, just to sit down where they are. But let us not leave here the same as when we came in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.